0: As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I would very much appreciate it, and it will help others like you to optimally discover this podcast wherever you listen to this and your other favorite podcast. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life, through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I would love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Books. And to another edition of second chance coaching as always we are so happy and it is my pleasure that you've joined us on another week of your re-entry journey from whichever corner of the marvelous world you're listening from and we continue to remain humble and excited that you have decided to spend part of your week with us thank you for that thank you for that well how was your week going this week i hope everything is going all right over here we are we're finishing up um grading for session two I was happy that one of my students who was struggling a bit with the speech um, with the speech projects decided to sit there and really hunker down and bring his grade to an acceptable grade and by doing some of the makeup speeches he was willing to get out of his comfort zone and speak to other students that were not in his speech class to do those speech classes in, in different speech in different speech settings so I was really proud of him I was, as far as what it is that he uh, decided to do to get a really good grade Um, in addition to that, you know, whether it be at the job or at the airport, um, at some of the other schools that I, that I'm, that I'm teaching at, it seems like simultaneously there's been so much change at all of these places of employment, you know, and when that happens, I try to just look around with an observant eye and try not to say too much. And I try to confine my venting to just a really few people that you know that I that I may that I may share my thoughts with, but overall I just try to be a really good listener to coworkers who want to vent their frustrations, let their stuff out about about uh, observations that they've seen and 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 current events that's going on at the at the job. But ultimately, whether it's me or them, we don't have any real control over what's happening, especially when it's happening many levels above us. Um, You know, as life goes on, and as you get more experience in your professional life and you look back on the things that have happened and what you think that is gonna be an emergency or the world's gonna come to an end, never really happens. But when this type of change takes place, I think about how the, you know, I think about really how how has these changes affected me in the past? And sometimes they've affected me for the good. It's been for the better of my experience at, at that particular organization but also i also have those memories about how past changes really affected me in a not so good way in a bad way and especially when those changes directly affect me and i know i'm just not on by myself on this one i'm sure there've been instances where you've really gone through it as well you know like I, I like i'm sharing with you now i've certainly gone through it and when that happens this is when when we could get frustrated we could get angry, we get upset. And sometimes that anger, when things affect us in a negative way, that anger could stick with us and persist in what, quote unquote, what seems to be an eternal burning flame. Like, you know, you ever have those things where you're just mad about it all the time that the minute that that subject comes up, you just get mad about it. Like it never, it never resolved itself. You just continue to stay pissed off about it. Uh, Naturally, especially Naturally, we become angry when things are or injustices are done against us or when we're quote unquote, being done dirty. You know, if you check the podcast archives, we did a podcast episode almost two and a half years ago, pretty much. Well, let me look it up. Exactly. The episode was released exactly on June 9th, 2021, and it was called Being Done Dirty. And we talked about how we deal with injustices that come along the reentry journey and that come along our lives. In that episode, if you recollect and certainly you could hear about it more in the archives, in that episode, we talked about um, the behavior of bad actors. We call them bad actors. How bad actors, when they behave badly, that behavior is really about them. It's really not about you. I, in that episode, I was able to discuss the case that commenced my criminal justice journey. and even expressing forgiveness for the situation and for the former friend that put me in that position. And really that anger really doesn't persist. I could talk about that situation and not particularly feel angry about it. Um, The other situation I spoke about was speaking about another former friend who borrowed money from me and has never paid that money back. To this day, still hasn't paid that money back. Now, is it hard to say I've forgiven him? Yeah it's hard to say I've forgiven him, you know, I've spoken to um, other people in our circle that are familiar with his situation. And although it didn't, it didn't make it easy, easier for me, it put it into context as to kind of the situations he got himself into. Um, So I can't say so much forgiven him, but I could say I've gotten past it, you know, but, but I know you may think, well, well how come? How, how can he get past it? Well, you know, I know he's never going to give me my money back. And in never giving me my money back, as I said in that episode, I'm OK with disqualifying him from my life. But in addition, I won't be ashamed to say to people in our in our circles what his behavior was and what it is that he did. Not in an effort to embarrass him. It's certainly not to embarrass him. But for me. But it's really more so for me to not be ashamed that I helped someone who I thought was a friend and it was them who proved themselves to not be worthy of my friendship. Through their actions, they did that. So I should not be ashamed of my good intentions when they came up short. And that's what it is that I have no problem owning. I also mentioned in that episode, another former friend who I helped get a job at the college and we also had a falling out. With that, that situation still not been resolved. We still are not on speaking terms. And you know, although it, it it bothers me, I I choose to just get past that too. It's like you know what that person is who they're gonna be, and karma is gonna catch up with them, and they're gonna they're gonna be in a situation where that the universe is gonna be like, nope, you know, you have to answer for for what you did. And I also talked about two other blowouts I had with other friends at the time. Those two friends, those two friends, um, those relationships have been pretty much more healed. One friend, the the, the relationship is most definitely healed. But, but the funny thing is the other friend came back into my life as she was seeking advice and moral support for intense family dynamics that they have going on right now. Now, it's funny. Well, let me just say this. It's not that it's funny. That they're going through tough family dynamics i wouldn't want to wish that on anybody but it's funny that the same presence i wanted to be for my mother and my family she would give me a really hard time for for being for being there for my family you know we were friends but we were also in the midst of trying you know going through a second or third time trying to date again and she would always talk about well you know, your family should stand on their own two feet. They should be able to take care of themselves. She was just very like, oh no, I'm just kind of, they should do them and I should do me. And that just really never vibed with me. Maybe that was one of the reasons why we didn't uh, pursue staying together and where we, and we ended up having a blowout. And, but now I look at them, the same position that they would criticize me for in being there for my family they are in this same position where they have to be selfless for their family but even in but even in her being selfless for her family she still complains a lot about what's going on some of it's legitimate you know some of it's legitimate that you know the complaints are going on but some of it i feel like you know what you could you could take it for the team you know this is this is your family you're talking about you know but but i see that she sees that being there requires more strength than she expected to have. And quite honestly, I see that her patience is being stretched really thin. Now there's that part of me that looks at that looks at my that says to myself, now looking to see that they now know what it's like, and they have to eat their convers they eat their words from not too many years before of saying, Well, Richard, you should just do your own thing. But at the end of the day, what difference does it make to have that quote unquote I told you so conversation, it doesn't make a difference. Now, unlike being dug dirty, if there are situations that are unresolved, especially when one feels there's been a particular injustice performed against them, yeah, anger could persist. And why is that? Because there's really no place for that anger to go. There was no resolution to the situation. A lot of times you look for the resolution to the situation from that person or from that entity for them to acknowledge that they were wrong. Hopefully that could be the beginning of saying, okay, you know what? We're in a place, we're in a better place where I can get past it. But a lot of times we have to take control of getting past it. Because a lot of times the people that have done us wrong are not going to be in a place where they're going to recognize where what they did. So we we are in control of that. And so we have to sit there and do that. When one, you know, and whether you haven't been able to execute it on your own or haven't been able to make that peace with someone else, when one feels that there's no resolution and there's still anger with the situation, you know, from the outside looking in, one, you know, people can look at you and say, wow, this cat is bitter. They just have an accident ride. Or as someone has said about me recently at work and came back to me, he's quote unquote disgruntled. My response to that, of course, was visceral. I said, yeah, I'm disgruntled because what I detailed or what I told you what was happening wasn't resolved. And there was no acknowledgement of that person's wrongdoing to this very day. So of course, if you want to say I'm disgruntled, yeah, of course I am. And I think about that because right now I'm working on a on a crucial project you know, regarding faculty and it's requiring us work with our partners across the aisle from student services. Specifically working with some people who absolutely mistreated me when I was there. And they mistreated me on the way out. The administrator from student services who wasn't there during the time I was there, he was the one kind of negotiating and trying to broker a piece to say, hey, can we make sure that we work together and and give folks across the aisle a chance? You know, asking me to do that. I expressed myself with as much raw honesty as I possibly could, just really unadulterated, just straight, raw honesty, because I truly did not, nor, I truly did not want to work with the person. But I knew that in order to get this job done, I would have had to work with them. But I said, I'm going to express how it is that I feel. Because even though that administrator was advocating for that person, said the person's owning how they feel, you know, they're concerned that they feel that you're not going to want to work with them because of what they did. I said, they should feel that way. They should feel that, they should feel that concern. Because they were not a good person. They're not a good person right now. Even if he's owning what he's done and even even they're trying to do better and have a second act as being a better person, at the end of the day, I told that administrator, that person has not changed. They're just being a better version of themselves. They're just trying to be a better version of who they really are. And there's nothing, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be a better version of who you are, that's fine. But at the same time, too, don't expect me to sit there and, and open my arms and say, yes, you know, you're, you're better or you're being better or you're acting better. So Leah, let me be, let me be a part of your, your rehab tour. Now, that sounds funny to say, let me be part of your rehab tour. This is a, there's a podcast on second chances, but I, but I, but I said, okay, I'll give him a second chance. I'll give him a chance. I still see him a certain way, but I'll give him that chance now. Why was I disgruntled leaving student services? Not all of my experience in student services were bad. Working with my bachelor's folks, they were the most honorable and wonderful people to work with. To this day, I still feel that way about them. Now, but when I worked in general advising and I led that unit, I had to go through. You know that that staff went through numerous changes in leadership, probably because of their, because of their own doing, and. And when I got there, I really got to see why that was the case. Among other things, there were numerous resistance movements regarding one's work schedules, equitable work schedules, how to to document your advising appointment, how to sit there, how long that advising appointment should be, and how we did business on an everyday basis. There was resistance everywhere, everywhere. And it was just such a cantankerous and immature staff. And to this day, there's a majority of them that are still acting the same way. I hear that it's still acting the same way. So in hindsight, could I have gotten past a very cantankerous and immature staff? Sure. I mean, of course I could, because that's what what people are. You get over that. But what was hard for me, what persisted in, in me having my anger towards me was the complete lack of support and sabotage that took place against me by the senior leadership that was two levels above me. They knew what that staff was, and they continued to be continue to support that type of dysfunction and not support the leadership policies that I was executing on behalf of them. The sabotage in leadership not only took place in that that instance, but took place a few years before that when I was leading an academic unit, and in this case, this was a staff primarily of folks who were tenured faculty, and they were acting so entitled. So entitled that I could see why people from outside the world of education desire to have tenure as an employment benefit eliminated. Because it's people like this that would abuse their power. They would abuse the benefit in which they had. Tenure is designed to say, you know what, I need to protect academic freedom. So if I say something that you and I don't agree with, then my employment status should not be based upon what it is that I've taught or what I'm what I'm researching or what it is that I'm sharing. With the academic community. But a lot of times people use their tenure as a way to say, this is how I'll mistreat you, this is how I'll be express vitriolic feelings and actions towards you. You know, it it just becomes really an abuse of power, so to speak. Now, was everyone in the staff like this? Of course not. Not everybody was that way. You know, sometimes you know when they say one bad apple spoils a bunch. In this case, it was only three bad apples for the most part, spoiling the bunch. And what does the rest of the staff do? They put themselves in a position where you have you might have other people who are in cahoots undercover with their behavior or some people that, that are just trying to work and just trying to maintain their survival. A lot of times at the time that I was there, people were like, oh my goodness, it's just Richard. But in the time since I've left, the associate dean who came and left at that time has said that the staff was impossible to deal with. There was new faculty that came in, lasted one year, and quit right away because they are like, "Nah, this is not something I want to deal with." And 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 what were some of those issues there? Some of the same things that I dealt with in student services, fighting about work schedules, you know. The, it, you the fact that as a leader I wouldn't bow down to nepotism, things that they wanted to have done. And 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 um they're just being offended by that that the inmates were not running the asylum so to speak, that they that they had to realize that there was one person in charge of the department and they and it wasn't them but just like in student services i can accept that there are people who don't like to work that are just lazy and really look to swerve and take the easy way out once again my disappointment was in the leadership was in my direct supervisory leadership and the leadership above that person just like in student services the anger towards those situations have persisted because i think about what the what what wrongs were And to this day, I still run into some of those folks from that that academic department. I still run into some of those folks from student services. And whenever you see them in the room, you could really literally cut the tension with a knife. The, 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 The tension is just there. It's still thick and still very present. Unfortunately, the dynamics of feeling persistent anger and injustice is not just reserved for the halls of higher education. They're also in the criminal justice reform and reentry space. It's sad to say that there's that there are bad apples in the two fields that I care so passionately about that I care about the outcomes of the clients we serve in criminal justice and for the students that we serve in higher education. But, you know, is this really unique to just higher education in the criminal justice reform space? Absolutely not. You know, there are plenty of good and bad people in many fields. There are plenty of good people in in a lot of fields, you know, just like there are great real estate agents, there's great police officers, great chefs, great customer service representatives, great flight attendants, but also there are great people in those fields. All of you who are listening right now who work in those fields and many more probably know that there are also horrible real estate agents, horrible mechanics, horrible chefs, horrible doctors, etc. So, you know, there's good and bad everywhere. But this past weekend, I was on social media and I was watching a video by an individual who had worked in the criminal justice reform space. He calls it one of his rant rant videos, but I, I respect him very much. I respect the work he's done and I respect his story and what he's been through. He was, of course, very truthful in what he said and he left no prisoners in his rant. But also in his rant, he offered solutions connections to make things better, and thoughts that can could, that could make one ponder what should be next. When After he spoke, you know, I shared with him a direct message. I shared with him my experience at one of the organizations that I worked in and how I still have anger towards my direct supervisor in that situation. I might have shared in past podcasts um, how I worked at the Fortune Society and this experience that I'm going to talk to you about happened at the Fortune Society. And this is not so much an indictment of the organization as a whole, but certainly an indictment of the person I worked directly for at the time. In 2005, I was denied the ability to use all of my vacation time at one time and even petitioned to use some un- to have unpaid time to spend the summer with Julian and Annamdi. At that time, they were young. You know, you know, Julian was, wow, Julian was 10 or 11. She might have been, I think she was 11 and Annamdi was 10 and uh or but you know they were very young and and during that time i wanted to spend that time with them because i was going to be you know summertime i had my custodial time with them mom and sis were already in florida and i knew i couldn't do the optimal custodial time with them with me being in new york and having no one to really watch them so when i made the request i was denied i was denied by this by my supervisor and when i was denied I said, well, if I can't do it, I'm just going to resign. And I resigned from the I put in a, a, a two or three month notice of resignation. And and then there was a chain of events that caused a bit of a stir because I was very honest. The word was getting out, like, why are you leaving? And I was very honest. I said, well, I'm working with single fathers to bring them back in their children's lives, but I'm being denied the ability to do that with my very own children. I'm helping single fathers reconnect with their kids, but I can't do that myself. You know, ultimately, you know, the word was getting out. And of course, you know, my direct supervisor um, felt the heat and she was directed to say to fix it. And then um, she was overridden in her decision as far as the granting of my vacation and my unpaid time. So then I decided not to resign. And then I had that precious time with Julian and Anandi. However, when I returned from that vacation, my mother warned me. She goes, "It's going to be tough when you get back." Mom couldn't have been no more couldn't have been so right. My direct supervisor was making life so difficult for me. She was seeking to use any organizational means at her disposal to make me seem to make me seem more disgruntled than I needed to be, uncooperative, unproductive, and really incompetent. Now, I was certainly disgruntled because she was just being a difficult person. Difficult person. Oh, I don't know if I could say difficult person. She was just being a complete jerk because I think that would be an insult to difficult people if I classified her as that. She was being a complete jerk. That's the best way to say it. A complete 100% jerk. But I lasted close to another year at Fortune and I didn't leave because of her. But I was at the place where me being around my family, me being around them was just that much more important. I, and when I think about it, you know, I lived on my own and was going back and forth on my own in New York at the time. So, so not too dissimilar than how I'm doing it here in Florida. So I feel it when, you know, the absence of the family is there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I might be similar to my mom in that way, that I like family being around me, that, 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 that just helps. And when I think about people being in the way of me being connected with my family, and I recollect that story, you know, I, I get a little tight but you know as, as it pertains to the, the the story at fortune and that direct supervisor I ultimately got what i wanted and you know and it wasn't a one-way street thing i was a good employee for fortune so i gave them what they wanted as well they got good work out of me now the last story i'll tell was when i served on the board of directors for a criminal justice reentry entry organization here in south florida at first the dynamics in which i was recruited the person, you know, invoked the name of somebody I respect very much, and they um, and they wanted to recruit me to work with them and be on the board and things of that nature. Them and one other person recruited me pretty pretty aggressively, and at first everything went smooth. You know, I could tell there was a little quirks going on, but you know, listen, not every not everybody's monolithic, so you know, there's going to be things along the way. But the rubber hit the road when we when I was started to ask to assist in the development of a reentry curriculum, a reentry program that that the that the organization wanted to offer, and that's when the butting of the heads took place right away because how I saw it should be done and how he saw it should be done certainly we were um, in different places, and on his part there was a lot on his part their part. There's a lot of passive aggressiveness going on and, and, and hard conversations were taking place back and forth. Now, ultimately, I did not need to have my way in that situation, so to speak. But I felt like, you know, let's, let's at least come to a meeting in the middle. But the way in which the other side was going, it was almost like you had to completely submit to what it is that they wanted. You had to completely not question what it is that they wanted. Or you had to be out or that you were done. And, you know, we're working through this. You know, there's still a lot of tensions. Uh, Funny enough, I met my real estate agent that helped me buy this condo through that organization. So something definitely forever good came out of that. But when it was time to renew the board via vote, you know, my real estate agent had already left. He said, "Okay, I'm done with this. I felt like I needed to ride it out and and work towards the mission of what it is that we were doing. You know, before I, I knew I wanted to eventually leave. But I figured I said, let me not leave just yet, and um, and I could tell when it was time to renew the board, to renew a board of directors via vote amongst the board of directors. These two guys really did cook the books. They they maligned my reputation enough to other people to say, let's vote Richard out. And at the end of the day, I was voted out. And 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 at the end of the day, serving on the board was not that important to me. Because other board, other board of directors have continually and still recruit me right now to try to be a part of their criminal justice reentry uh, organizations, which I'm fine with. But ultimately, serving on the board was not that important to me, especially in this particular organization. We were not really getting much of anything done. But the problem I had with this individual, and really it was two individuals that really started this process, is that the same way that you're aggressive in hiring me or recruiting me or bringing me on. You should, be ha- you should be able to have that man-to-man talk that if you see that I'm not doing what you wanted to do, we're not in agreement, then you know what? Be a man about it and say, you know what, Richard, this isn't working out. Maybe we should try something different. I'd be okay with that. But you can't have a man-to-man conversation when one person's a man on my end and the other people are boys or less than men or passive-aggressive or, or different things of that nature where they're not upstanding people. So you can't have that dynamic when that's not happening. And you know, dynamics not working and the people not being upstanding, it makes me think of one last story. This is the last story of this week, I promise. You know, the last thing I could say or the last story I could share with is about my condo association. I serve as the vice president on the board and I could say that we've had difficult issues that we've had to govern with in the state of Florida there's a rising cost of insurance because of so many insurance companies leaving the state. It's resulted in um, a lot of assessments and being um, placed upon buildings. ours has not escaped that dynamic. Um, but when we have voted on insurance, and a lot of it is too, is that now because of the Surfside incident that you might have seen on television, we require we the the law has now become more strict and requiring different types of. Inspections and inspection certifications for the safety of the building, but unfortunately, no matter what votes we take, I'm always on the losing side of a vote. Um, we had our insurance canceled earlier um, this year, and when I talked to my insurance agent who who insures my unit, I was telling my board that we should at least, you know, check out alternatives. And they were like, "Nope, we're not going to do it. We're going to renew the insurance, apply this assessment, and call it a day." My my insurance agent correctly predicted that, uh, that the policy that we were signing was going to be canceled within two months. And sure enough, that's what happened. The same insurance agent that came with us, sat, same insurance agent that insured our building said, okay, well, we're going to sit there and, and and come up with another policy again because quote-unquote market conditions have changed and we could do this and we could do that. And, and it's hard. we still going to get our 40-year inspection because – It's not because we didn't want to get it done, but because of legislation here in the state of Florida, the ability to get these inspections done and the engineers available is the perfect train wreck of too much demand and not enough supply. Unfortunately, this also comes with the insurance agent, including the insurance agent that's insuring our building, trying to take advantage of people's fears and not letting them shop around. Listen, his job performance, the insurance agent's job performance has been horrible. He did not service our building well. To me, if we have the chance to shop around, let's at least shop around. It costs us nothing to look. But even though, even though I said that, our vote, our board continued to vote against its own interest, against shopping around or seeking the opinion of other folks. You don't have to seek my opinion, even though I even though we correctly predicted that the insurance first policy would cancel. Seek the opinion of your own insurance agent that 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 insures your own building. Shop around, it costs nothing to do that. And stop voting against your own self-interest. Or maybe you just wanna vote against Richard. I firmly believe that in a lot, some of it is just voting against me because this goes back to the issue I had with my impact windows and I had to show the board I was successful in defending my position on the impact windows by showing them that based on my approval and based on the bylaws that we have, that I was le- I was in my right of the type of in- Windows that I installed. Maybe they didn't like the fact that I pointed out to them that they weren't even aware of their own bylaws that they took an oath to uphold. <sighs> wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a good bunch of stories. I want to say good, but that's a nice amount of stories that 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 have brought me to persistent anger still to this day, because I feel that there's and ju- there was injustices going on in me at that point and i'm sure that you have dynamics going on in your world that make you feel similar in the same way some folks might say right now listening oh, richard that's nothing if that's all you're going through then you know what i'll take your life but you know or they may be going through they may be they could be going through worse or they may not, or they may say richard i don't have it as bad as you i am going through worse But as we know, all pain is personal and the comparison of pain doesn't necessarily make us feel better. But as I'm in the midst of these things that are keeping me persistently angry and I'm working through those things, maybe you're at that place too. And it and 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 it's something that and it's something you have to work on every day. It's something I have to work on every day to stay away from the trash and the negative stuff that's holding us down. I was looking for some ways to how we could deal with this negative stuff. And um Psychology today gives us nine ways to proactively deal with and shift away from anger and injustice. So, of course, as always, the researcher and me will definitely share these dynamics with you. Number one, have some compassion for yourself. Recognize always that you're doing the best in a difficult situation and focus on your compassion so there's less room for anger. Number two, decide that it's just not worth it. You know, when you find yourself thinking about the injustices of being wronged, remind yourself that by staying focused on injustice and anger, you are unwittingly doing harm to yourself. You can acknowledge past harms and prevent these past harms from, and at the same time, prevent these past harms from maintaining power over you and contaminating your present experience. You know, number three, I love this one anger and feelings of injustice beget physical pain. Anger causes increased tension in the body, and this does turn increases pain. Have you ever felt that when you feel so angry, like you could just feel like things are going bad? Anger is associated with increased inflammation in the body, which could worsen pain in your overall health. Feelings of anger and injustice can keep you focused on what's wrong and who's to blame. Remind yourself that focusing on it gives it more energy, more energy than it needs to have. Number four. Choose to be empowered by separating the facts of the situation from your emotions. You know, while you could recognize um, the anger in a situation, I could recognize that I had bad faculty. I recognize I had a bad staff in general advising. You know, I got to release that anger. I got to work on doing that. While I could be clear and I could talk about those things that were not fair, I have to now say I'm going to separate the feelings of injustice from it so i'm not feeling wronged or victimized i just say this is what happened and that's it i just leave it at that number 5 seek treatment modalities that melt anger that melt anger and feelings of injustice see listen seek a professional mental health professional have them say hey can we participate in cognitive behavioral theory acceptance and commitment therapy mindfulness based stress reduction you know loving kindness meditation and compassion meditation you know all those things that could help Number, number six, the relaxation response is an antidote for anger. The relaxation response could effectively counter the physical and emotional tightening that happens when you feel anger or injustice. When you just say, you know, it's funny, <laughs> you know, my quarterback for the Jets who got hurt, Aaron Rodgers, um, on the, fir- the first four plays of the season. Last season, when he was with the Packers and things were going bad, he'd always tell everyone, just relax, relax, relax. And, you know, a friend of mine used to say that, too, when I was growing up, and I didn't really understand the concept of that. But sometimes taking that deep breath and relaxing is the perfect an- at- antidote for, for, for quelling that anger. Number seven, positive imagery can help you dis- disengage from negative thought spirals. Breaking the cycle of injustice really does require shifting your focus when you observe the thought pa- your thought patterns in action. And when I sit here right now, even as I sit here and talk about the podcast with you, I look outside and I see a beautiful, I see beautiful greenery, beautiful palm trees. Go to the beach, see beautiful, beautiful, beautiful oceans. The 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 the, the, the seawater therapy helps. That positive imagery, looking at the pictures on the wall, looking at the pictures of the kids, pictures of my mom and dad, pictures of my sister, my niece, and the Wonder Twins. That positive imagery helps disengage from negative thoughts. Number eight, have patience with yourself. It could take time for the emotions to lessen, but really encourage yourself to soften in each and every moment. Remember, 1% each time that has that improvement. Some days will be easier than others, but have compassion for yourself as you move through the process. And that goes into the last thing for number nine, don't stay stuck. If you feel yourself stagnating, confine your focus to countering the physical and emotional tension. Make sure you counter that by using the relaxation techniques, the visualization techniques, the meditation that helps with that. Every time you see that happen and you sit there and counteract it with something more positive, it'll set the foundation to be able to get past these things easier, quicker and better. You know, getting through this stuff, getting through this negative stuff is an everyday process. You know, it's it's everyday work, but Do a little bit of time on it every day. Do that 1% a day. You're good by 30% by one month, by 60% another month. You know, it takes some time, you get through it. And you'll see you would have mastered those negative feelings and eliminated them. Oh, thank you for spending so much time with me. I know we we did a little more extra time than we usually do today, but I really wanna thank you for always sharing your time with me. You're sharing your time with me here. At Second Chance Coaching is precious to me, and I know it's precious to you, otherwise you wouldn't spend it with us. Continue, to, continue, please, to spread uh, Second Chance Coaching to your friends, family, and loved ones. You know, I, I know that we're doing something positive here that's touching your lives. And and let me say again, I'm so appreciative as to what you're doing, because no matter how much you think I'm touching your life and what we're doing here touches your life, you are indeed possibly impacting my life, and I cannot express my appreciation my appreciation goes beyond words when it comes to that thank you again for joining us and i look forward to spending time with you next week thank you again for joining us here at second chance coaching in addition to coaching services for individuals and businesses i'm also available for speaking engagements and workshops on criminal justice reentry, human resources as well as organizational culture and leadership. Feel free to email me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com, as well as connect with me on Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lucas. Remember, every day you are given this opportunity for your second chance, and I know you'll make the best of it. I love you all, and I look forward to connecting with you next time here at Second Chance Coaching.